everyone, and welcome to the Uncorked Corner podcast. I'm Bianca, your co-host, PR and marketing professional by day and food and wine connoisseur by night. And I'm Nick. I'm the other co-host. Uh, if you listen, listen to us before, you'll know I'm an accountant with a passion for barbecue, beer, and whiskey. Today, we're lucky enough to be talking about beer with Caleb from Amherst Brewing. Uh, let's have you start, Caleb, by giving us an intro about yourself, introduce yourself, and tell us a little bit about your background. All right. Thank you. Uh, my name is Caleb Hiliadis. I'm the head brewer of Amherst Brewing. Um, I also run the social media and uh, a bunch of different other stuff around the brewery. Uh, I've been there for about seven years. Um, so started filling growlers part-time and just kind of worked worked my way through it. And it's been a, an amazing journey. Um, so Amherst Brewing was founded in 1997. Um, by a bunch of home brewers from Vermont and Massachusetts um, as a brew pub model. And we still kind of follow that to this day. Um, but now we've joined forces with a restaurant group and we have six total restaurants now, all in Western Massachusetts, all over the place um, in all four counties. And so, yeah, that's where you can find our beer mostly, but we distribute all throughout the whole state too. Um, it's been an interesting year for draft beer but uh luckily last year we put in a big canning line so we're able to keep up with the demand perfect timing <laughs> yeah <laughs> so to get started can you tell us about some of the some of the most popular brews that you have available right now um so the most popular beer we have is called jess um we've been making that for about five years now um, we distribute that throughout the whole state of mass. Um, we have draft accounts all over the state too. It's a 7.3%, uh, new England style IPA brewed with mosaic Simcoe and Citra. Um, and it pairs really well with food and that's kind of our whole thing. I really make like making beers that, um, are approachable to food, um, can be enjoyed with food. Um, so yeah, that, that one's been super popular. Definitely the most popular we have. One of the most interesting ones that I tasted that you sent over was the toasted coconut cream. I love anything interesting and that was definitely a fun one to try. And I'm looking forward to Nick getting to try it because I know he's always into cool flavors. So what was the inspiration behind that? I know that's a little bit different than most of your other ones that you have available. Yeah, so that started um, years ago. We had a coconut porter. Um, so it was on whole toasted coconut, uh, shredded coconut. And process-wise, it was a nightmare. Um, you know, you'd have one batch that was um, over-the-top coconut and another one that would be like, where's the coconut? Um, and it was around the same time I was looking for a local coffee roaster to partner with and really kind of develop a relationship with. I tried a bunch of different coffee and we kind of came to the conclusion that Shelburne Falls Coffee Roasters, who does a whole line of these flavored coffees that they've been doing for decades now, um, and they're a local favorite, um, we just started experimenting with their coffee and this one really seemed to kind of hit both, you know, needing a coffee uh, partner and um, the coconut thing. Um, so, and we've done a bunch of different iterations of that, but this one 
I don't know. It sells in the summer. It sells in the winter really well in the winter. But I mean, this thing we have on tap all year long, uh, 6%. Uh, it's a porter, a little less heavy than a stout, not as roasty, um, a little bit of creaminess. So um, it's literally, so, I, I mean, it's, it's the dessert beer of choice. We have at our restaurants. We don't serve dessert, but that's the kind of, that's the one that we'll, uh, we'll tell, we'll direct people towards. And we actually serve it on nitro, like a Guinness uh, to add to that, you know, add to that level of it. And yeah, it's been a huge hit. Now, is that something that you do in the cans as well? Do you offer it both nitro and non-nitro? I know I've seen that with some other uh, stouts and porters up here. Um, so I've looked into it. Um, it's eventually where I'd like to get um, the equipment to execute that. A little expensive. A um, little hard to execute in a can um, at our scale, but just having it as like a special, pretty much only come to our hangar restaurants and get it on nitro. It seems to work for us. It sounds delicious, and I'm definitely excited to try that one. I can't wait for you to try it. And we also saw that you had a recent collab with Back East Brewing. What was that all about? And, and is that your first partnership with them, or is that something that you do also recurring? Um, so we, I mean, pre-COVID, we did a ton of collabs. I mean, I had so many lined up for last year. Um, it wasn't really safe to do them. Um, we started talking about um, brewing with Back East uh, the year before even. So we were talking at the end of 2019. Couldn't really make it happen. Um, they've been friends of ours for a while. Um, we share a distributor in, the, in Massachusetts, even though they're in Connecticut. Um, so a lot of places will sell our beers together. And that's kind of how we started talking. And we finally got the time everybody got together. We, 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 we joined forces in Amherst and put together this nine and a half percent. We're calling it a double IPA. Uh, but it's some people might call it a triple IPA. It's uh, pretty strong. Um, some interesting new hops that both of us were excited about using and hadn't really used before, including Strata and a little bit of Michigan Chinook, which uh, is not typical Chinook. Um, so that was fun. It was a lot of fun. And we were actually planning on doing, we'll be going down there, um, probably a couple months from now, we'll brew something down there. So can you tell us a little bit about that process? I'm not sure we've really dived into that with anyone a lot that, uh, how do you decide, you know, we're going to get together. Let's do hash out a recipe first and then kind of just play around, maybe do some small batches and kind of figure out the different ingredients and what tastes best or, you know, and obviously you did this one in Amherst, you're going to be doing one with them, but who takes on that load when it comes to typical, like, you know, I just enlighten us on that process a little bit. Yeah. So it's, um, <clears throat> it's definitely like a unique thing to the beer industry. You don't often find other industries in general that, two competing companies on the surface will be working together. Um, but that's one of the reasons I love the beer industry. Um, there's a lot of things I might know or have experienced or tried out. And the same goes for all these other guys and girls. Um, there's so much we can learn from each other. And I think that's one of the real reasons that craft beer has accelerated the way and pace that it has. Um, so basically we'll just start we'll start talking maybe we're at a beer fest maybe we're just you know instagram buddies we're talking um 
you know, I might've done something with a beer, came out with it. Somebody says, Oh, cool. Or, you know, we, sometimes it'll be, we take, okay, we really like playing with these hops or we like playing with these fruits. Um, let's try something together. Um, so the real reason I like doing two beers, one at our spot and one at their spot is you, everybody's comfortable comfortability level is different. So, you know, someone might not want to excessively dry hop something or excessively fruit something like we just did something with channel marker who I know you had on the show and they're known for these over the top fruited kettle sours and they're delicious, but that's not something I've really delved into. We have our kettle sours, but we're not conditioning on fruit. So it was this cool exchange of ideas and to really just see something come together is incredible. Yeah, and that's definitely something that's impressed both of us with the industry as as a whole. It's just you guys learn so much from each other, and I think everywhere is different. So it's you know it of course it's competition, but there's all there's beers that we like from everywhere. So at any given time, I mean, you could have <laughs> an endless number of different brewers in your fridge and be totally cool with that. I think that's why we love it, and every beer is different. So uh, we're always looking for fun flavors and things like that to try. And I know. The lager was definitely one of our favorites. Um, it's always one of our favorites, it, uh, the style. But um, getting a little bit more into IPAs, I don't know about Nick. Nick, are you more of an IPA drinker? Are you? What What, what is your go to? If I ha- I will usually have an assortment on tap, and it really <laughs> depends on the mood. I will always have something dark. Um, we're up. I'm up here in Portland, Maine, so my go to dark beer is Gunner's Daughter by Mass Landing. In Westbrook, they're actually a couple houses down the street from me. They're right there. Um, and then I always like to have IPAs on hand. Anything with uh, mosaic hops, I typically love. Um, that's uh, my favorite beer that I've ever gotten to try so far was actually Hills Farmstead Mosaic IPA. Um, we tried that when we were in Vermont on tap, and that was that was my favorite one to date. So anything with that hop in it that's really you know mosaic forward, I like. Um, and then just a lot of, you know, cider and then whatever else is new. I write recently, another one I believe is mosaic too, is Bissell Swish. I got that one, um, from Bissell brothers up here. So just whatever's new, I'll have a couple staples and then whatever I can get my hands on. So, well, you're definitely going to like all the ones from Amherst. I think they all had great flavor and, um, we, I've been out to Western Mass so many times in Central Mass just because my fiance went to Springfield College. So we were always in that area. And, and I reach, I think we tried every <laughs> brewery around. So uh, we've definitely had yours before and they're always, they're always new. And I think that's also another thing that's fun about beer is that every year it kind of changes and there's always new, you know, flavors that are out and new things that are, you know, coming up in the industry that just make it like always new. So uh, that was definitely cool. And for you personally, what are some of your, you know, you've been there and you've obviously had all sorts of different experiences. What are some of the ones that you tend to reach for on just like a regular day? What are some of your favorites? Oh, on a regular day. Um, you mean like from our, what we make or just, yeah. Yeah. Anything. yeah. Give I us mean, both. On a, Whatever you want. On a, <laughs> On a colder day post shift, I'm going for our brown ale. You know, it, it's right in the middle, hits both ends. It's not too dark. It's got a little bit of the coffee, a little bit of caramel. 
super light going down, um, refreshing, um, or one of our lagers. Um, I, I do love IPAs. I don't drink a ton of them. Um, I, 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 I more, I get more in depth with them, right? Like I, there's more to think about. So as with like a Pilsner Brown, something like that, like you're not really engaging too much. It's mostly just to like decompress. Um, whereas personally, because I'm involved in it so much, like I'm trying to dissect an IPA and it, and it, it's fun sometimes, but other times I'm like, how do they do that? Or how did, how do I make that happen? You know, and it, and you start overanalyzing it. And, um, but in, if, if it's a special occasion, I'm going for old goose, um, lambic, um, I do have a passion for wine and that really to me was the crossover. I didn't really drink beer when I was younger. I drank wine mostly and didn't really think much of beer started having these Belgian beers and was like, okay, all right, there's something here. So that was really kind of the bridge for me. And I still, I mean, I am just, I get, I get just overtaken with, with so many emotions when I, when I have a nice uh, Belgian sour and the American examples have been incredible over the last decade too. So um, it's one of the best times for beer ever. <laughs> I can relate to that because my kind of, I guess, craft beer journey definitely started with the wheat beers as well. Like a big unfiltered, heavy, like Belgian wheat beer, white beer or something. Um, just trying those. And I was starting like Blue Moon. Like That's what, no, it's available. It's you know, the big company. And then, all right, you know, if this is good, but oh, there's all these different ones. Let's find something similar that might be a little bit better from a craft company. And you start diving in, trying a little smaller places. And all right, well, let's try this style next, this style, this style. And then it just, you know, expanded out from there. And now, I mean, I've tried so many and, you know, the craft beer communities and we love it. And you just, you really like helping out your local guys and helping out the craft companies. And it's, you know, feels good to drink that stuff. And it tastes great as well. Yeah. You might've answered this already. And I, I might just be asking a repeat question, but why flight school? Oh, flight school was, so we actually, um, you're talking about the self-service beer wall. Yeah. Yeah, so we actually took that down recently, um, but it was it was um, such a huge it was such a huge engaging moment for us. Like, um, basically, the backstory behind that was the the previous owner of Amherstburn Company, the guy who started it, was re- retiring, and the gentleman Harold Tremazo, who owned a store right across the street, a small restaurant needed a bigger space. They had known each other for years. So we merged the two. And that was kind of shocking for a lot of people. You got a lot of people that didn't really, even though we were super close, they weren't, we weren't sharing the same customer base necessarily. So it was kind of a shock for everyone. Um, And we just had the concept of, okay, like, let's let people just explore what we're making here without, without any, any, buddy looking at you if you're drinking a pumpkin ale weird you know i mean like you can try whatever you want like if you're normally a bud light drinker we have a honey pilsner that that really has like you were talking about with blue moon has converted a lot of people to be like wow there's so many other flavors here let me explore so it was really just about like personal exploration exploration 
and taking away any construct of, you know, oh, I'm not cool enough to drink this or, you know, I don't usually drink that. That's not my brand. So it just, it just opened the whole thing up and we had a bunch of games, we put a bunch of games out there and it was a big hit. Um, and, you know, sales started dwindling on that and uh, COVID hit and it doesn't make too much sense anymore. We've kind of done a really, we've done a better job at kind of bridging the two together and people, I mean, we outsell Bud Light in our building now. So just another, <laughs> another interesting fact. So we do serve all the macro beers in all of our restaurants, even though we are a brewery. Um, and like you were saying with the blue moon, we found a lot of people who usually just drink Bud Heavy will be like, all right, I come here every week. You guys make beer here. Let me try something. And not everyone's into it. Not everyone wants to step outside of what they normally drink, but there is a huge number of people that because we gave them the option, they were comfortable coming in, you know, let's say you have a group of 10 people and the grandfather only drinks macro beers and he's the deciding factor of where you guys are going. You might not come to our brewery, you know what I mean? So for us making these approachable food, uh, accessible beers that, and also offering things that everybody knows, that's kind of been our, our thing. And this has been a tough year for that. Um, but I think we, like many other people in this industry, are going to come out of it even stronger. So that's an interesting concept when you talk about, you know, introducing someone that's only into the macro beers, you know, into trying something new. Are you at all careful when recommending, you know, you don't, not just picking a random, you know, if you go from that to a kettle sour, for example, that's a huge <laughs> jump. And then this isn't even a beer. What is this? They might not, you know, get it. Um, do you, are you careful when you say, you know, recommend the pills and recommend a lot lager or something like that, that might be a smaller jump. That's maybe a, you know, a more precise, maybe, uh, I guess want to say quality version of something that they might be used to. Or do you kind of just let them, you know, pick whatever sounds interesting? No, we train our staff that basically the honey pilsner is the go-to. Uh, it's not really too honey forward, but there's a little character there that's going to give it enough distinction um, from what they're used to drinking. But it's very similar at the same time. Um, so they all know, recommend the honey pilsner. Um and with some of the staff, we've started working like a core staff. All right, we're if somebody if somebody even shows any interest outside of that, just bring them a sample. Just hey, try this. Literally, you can see the tanks, you can see the brewery. Like, just just try it. And a lot of people, it, it turns a lot of people onto that. But yeah, uh, I do joke often that you know, one week they're drinking Bud Light then they're drinking honey pills. And then by next week, they're drinking our triple dry hopped IPAs. <laughs> but that, that doesn't necessarily happen like that. But And outside of beer, you also have the Altitude Hard Seltzer. What was that? Why did you decide to offer that? Is that just because of the seltzer movement? Everybody's kind of doing seltzer, but the flavor is interesting. It's a boysenberry. So it's not something you see quite often. Yeah, so that was, um, it's been a long road for us to get to the seltzer, um, get comfortable with it. Um, 
last year we had, well, 2019, we had started discussing making it. And this is before our restaurants were even serving any other hard seltzer. So it was kind of like, eh, I don't know about this. It's kind of, it's not really legit. Um, it could be a fad. We're going to invest a bunch of time into this. Um, but then, you know, people started requesting White Claw. People started requesting Truly. So we were selling a decent amount of those. And we're like, you know, and I'm like, well, let's, let's try making some ourselves. But you're right, giving it a little distinction. So we're still in the experimental phase right now. So we're, we're just running through a bunch of different flavors, trying things out. Um, it will definitely be a lot easier once we have more people in our restaurant. But for now, we're doing a lot of these cans. Um, so yeah, just trying to, for me, it's really like, okay, I need to make a really clean base and offer some exciting new flavors because it's not a big name brand. Um, and we might start looking to distribute these locally in stores. Um, so again, having a little something different in there, but also having it be good when someone tries it is key. So we're, we're in a super experimental phase with it, um, but it's been fun even just making it, talking about it um, and marketing it differently than we would the beer. And actually we do have a collaboration coming out with another brewery that I won't mention too, uh, too in depth on, but uh, it's gonna, it's gonna shake some people's minds. It's gonna, it's uh, it is a hard seltzer <laughs> that so, we're doing with another brewery. So the seltzer is something that I've struggled with. I mean, I mean, they've been on the scene for a couple of years now where, you know, yeah. they've really been kind of catching heat, but I don't know if it's just that they're, you know, too carbonated for me. And that's not really my thing. I don't drink regular seltzer water when it's outside of being hard or not. And I've never liked it. So that might be it, but I haven't really caught on, but is that something that you automatically took to, or is it kind of like, all right, let's try to make our own, make it better. And now I can drink it. Uh, it's not something that I ever wanted to drink on my own. Um, when we, when we got serious about it, I spent basically the whole summer, accumulating as many different commercial examples of it as I could trying them. Uh, some of them I didn't care for at all and wouldn't ever buy, but there were some where I was like, okay, particularly the Arctic summer from uh, it's actually a collaboration with polar and harpoon. So basically harpoon makes the, the alcohol from I'm assuming corn sugar and then infuse it with polar seltzer. And I love polar seltzer. So to me, that was just super clean example of, okay, this is, this is perfect for like sitting by the pool. I get it. And that was kind of what I wanted to go for. Something that wasn't like too heavy because that kind of seemed counterintuitive to me with like, you know, white claw adding uh, concentrates to kind of build the body back up. I just wanted something that was like refreshing um, and didn't really fill you up too much. And we're actually serving these on tap as well in the restaurants. So there's, there's multiple avenues for us. It's, it's an alternative to people that might just come in for a vodka tonic, vodka soda, something like that, um, to just try something that we made. And I love beer but I don't love seltzer, <laughs> but I will say I love seltzer, seltzer water. Like you said, I was always like seltzer water. I love it. 
I have tried so many hard seltzers just to like give it a shot. And I don't honestly don't like any of them, but I do really like yours. So <laughs> this oh. is the first one I've really enjoyed. It's, it doesn't have the same, like, I don't know if it's an aftertaste or what it is that's in most of those like mainstream canned seltzers, but it's a lot better. So. Well, kudos. thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> it's the ones that convert people that don't like them, I guess. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so are you drinking one of these right now i actually am i thought i, thought I saw the can <laughs> I, I have our uh, blood orange mango okay that's a cool flavor yeah and that's actually a flavor combo that we've done with some of our kettle sours so we're trying to pull some of the fruit inspirations some of the cocktail inspirations that we have um at the restaurant into this um try and give it a little little authentic character are there any beers that you haven't tried yet that you guys are hoping or planning on in the future that you've always wanted to to test out hmm uh definitely i mean we've done a ton of barrel aging i have about 25 barrels filled with uh sour ales some of which have been in there for two years plus um we do a bunch of barrel aged stouts but never barrel aged barley wine um so that's something we're gonna because literally my entire team is just we just love barley wine so that is going to be that's that's the that's the one that we're gonna have to make next but we got to do it right so it's gonna take some time but um that's the one i think we're all gonna get really excited for that we haven't really made before So we'll uh, kind of end it on that note. Uh, where can we find your beers and seltzers? Uh, obviously in the pub for the seltzers, but where can we find your stuff in store and online? Um, so yeah, we distribute cans primarily at this point um, throughout the whole state of Massachusetts. So we're on the North Shore, Boston, South Shore, Cape Cod, Worcester County pretty heavily. Uh yeah, I would just, uh, if you haven't seen it at your local uh, package store, reach out to them. I'm sure they can get it. We distribute with uh, pretty big distributors in the state. One of them, Berkshire Brewing Company. Uh, great uh, old school brewery. We love those guys. Uh, they distribute our beer throughout the state. So they know how to place it and they really listen to the customer. So uh, yeah, pretty much all over Massachusetts. Nowhere, no other states, but yeah. I'll just have to bring it to you, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> Nick gets drive up service. <laughs> nice. And you mentioned that you run the social, which looks incredible. So I love it. Uh, oh, where can we find it? Where can everybody follow you? And also what is your website? Uh, we will put everything in the description as well, but just so that they know where they can find all those social handles and, and see what's new. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at Amherst Brewing. And you can find us at amherstbrewing.com. Awesome. Thank you. I'm excited to try the beers as long as Bianca doesn't drink the mommy first. Um, I'll try. <laughs> sometimes when we've done these trades, it hasn't gone so well. And she has, has to happened. go and replace them to get You might not be getting a seltzer. <laughs> He's not I, mean, getting... I might not be getting a seltzer, no. <laughs> I already told him that. <laughs> We're going to have to trade something else. There you go. <laughs> Thanks again. Cheers. Have a good hey, night. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you.
sure to follow us on social at Uncorked Corner and on the blog at uncorkedcorner.com for a taste of more food and beverage content. And if you enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave a comment, subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Thanks for listening.